guest. Thank you so much, Benito Thompson, a.k.a. Mindful Music. Why don't you give him a follow on Instagram and TikTok? That's Benito Thompson, Mindful Music, the purveyor of our jingle. This is Shut Up Stein, and I'm your boy Stein, and I'm coming to you live with an episode that's very near and dear to my heart. It's actually a bit of a part two from like two years ago. So um, we're going to be talking about my league, the Premier League Wiffleball League. And in order to help me do that, we have a returning guest, Mr. Tall Tannock himself, Adam Tannock. Adam, thank you for taking some time out of your extremely busy schedule, which is being publicly documented, uh, to, to be on the pod. Thanks, Stein. Uh, glad to be back. Always a pleasure. Of course, of course. The pleasure is all mine. And uh, although last time we had a couple of different guys, we've had uh, Taylor Briner, we've had Tom Gannon, we've had, I think, a couple of others. Uh, but this time, we've got... Um, Kyle Lohman and Greg Kelly, two of the very much behind the scenes uh, actors in, in PLW. So gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us, Stein. Yeah, thanks, James. Pleasure to be here. Of course, of course. Now, because we've got two new guests, I do want to hear a little bit from each of you about your wiffle ball lineage. That's kind of like a custom that we a customary thing that we do here. So um, y'all can kind of take turns sharing how you wound up in the crazy world of wiffle or you can sort of like co-tell the story i don't i don't really know it so i'm excited to hear it but whoever wants to start maybe just you know an elevator pitch on on how y'all got into this crazy position well kyle since you're uh one of the founders of wiffle ball in las vegas why don't you go first yeah sure i'll go first so uh my early days i guess of playing wiffle since being from the east coast i am from uh, just mm-hmm. north of boston in massachusetts boo, you know I, as boston, a kid I, <laughs> as a kid i always played wiffle ball but mostly on a very just casual scale with neighbors and you know neighborhood kids and but never like seriously uh, in a league or organized in any way but just would play around in the yard and whatnot but um you know have have lived in vegas for approximately 8 years now and kind of stumbled upon MLW early on in COVID and you know, a couple months in May, pretty much the end of May of 2020, everybody was really getting stir crazy. And I just, as after watching MLW for a couple months, you know, I kind of had the idea of like, Oh man, I would love to try to get a lead together right now. And all my, my thought was like, well, we could just find a park somewhere and maybe we can get 15 or 20 of us out there and we can just play some games. It'll be super recreational. And uh, that'll be that. It'll be it'll be a little ex- escape from having to be in lockdown, uh, basically. And, uh, you know, I, I put out a message on Facebook uh, about organizing Wiffle League. I had texted some friends and then just so happens that a friend of a friend uh, messaged me and was and said, hey, do you know that there's this guy with a with a field on his ranch in Vegas? And I was like, no, I've I have no idea. I've, I'm like, will you forward his info to me? And his name was Adam Tannock and he forwarded and and I, I kind of started chatting with Adam that day and I think maybe like an hour or so later I was over at the ranch ex- exploring uh wiffle ball that's how at, they get you man as soon as as soon as I got the walk around I just was like Adam we have to do it here I'm like we'll figure out how what we got to do I'm like I'll organize everything I'll buy the jerseys I'm like we'll get this organized and uh not long after that we had a we had our first little co-ed league which lasted uh, about two or three months. And then pretty much from that, um, some of the guys that were in the league that were just baseball players and a little bit more competitive guys, it kind of just slowly spun into a more organized format 
and PLW was kind of born. Uh, season zero was essentially just after that season. And there was guys, you know, that just really wanted to play a more competitive version of the game we had just played. Adam had given us kind of the co-ed rules, and that's where we were kind of following that. So it was really casual because there was women in the league as well. So it was like more of just a hanging out, have a few drinks kind of night. But then PLW was slowly born from that. And then, you know, that's kind of where we are. Just the next stage, a couple of years later of PLW and hopefully our, you know, new field on its way very soon. Wow. That was, I, I'm glad you, you gave me that because it was a good lead into like the first thing I wanted to talk about, which is like what's been going on. Uh, but before we do that, Greg Kelly, can you fold your story into that fucking mess that Kyle <laughs> just walked me through? Uh, mine's going to be a lot more simpler and succinct. It was COVID. Uh, we were looking for things to do outside and some friends uh, of mine decided they wanted to learn how to play tennis. I had tennis courts at my complex. We were playing tennis damn near every day. Very good friend of mine, Nick Davella, uh, mm. on, on the same team with you guys. Uh, of course. Was, was chatting uh, every night that we were playing tennis about this wiffle ball league. And I had the same reaction that I think a lot of people have when they hear about wiffle ball leagues and and just kind of thinking, what, what the hell is that? But Nick, uh, as he's off to do, um, explained it in great detail. And uh, kept on asking me to come out, and I, I resisted at first. And eventually, I I gave in, and I said, "All right, yeah, I'll, I'll come on over and show me what this is all about." Um, what did I just say? That's how they get you. Yeah. That is, it's the same story every time. That's how they get you. Um, they were looking for announcers, and I had some experience um, in college and uh, in, in San Diego where I lived prior to moving to Las Vegas um, at a television station and doing doing games, uh, soccer games and baseball games in college. Mm. So uh, I said, yeah, I could give it a shot. I came out one night, hopped into the booth with Trench, uh, mm -hmm. just completely cold, didn't know a thing about the game and just kind of winged it from there. But uh, I got kind of a look at at the production and having a, a background in, in television production, um, instantly saw some things that that could be uh, improved. These were the early days of the stream. And uh, it was kind of just a rudimentary setup at that point. And, uh, and I just kind of started showing up day after day and, and started working with uh, Casey Herzog, who was, who was pretty much running mm -hmm. the stream at that time. And we started integrating more things. And uh, next thing I knew it was taking over my life, James. Yep. That, that is how it happens. So uh, if, if you're listening to this and you don't know what the league is, I believe it was episode 47 of Shut Up Stein covers in great detail, like the nature of the league, the rules of the league. So if you're wondering about all that stuff, we're not going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking big picture today. So if you have de you know questions about the details, that's the episode to turn to. I want to start by talking about the last almost year now. Um, at the end of season four, Premier League took a hiatus. It was a scheduled hiatus. Everybody knew this was going to happen. And so uh, I'm hoping I could turn to Adam here. And uh, just ask what happened uh, between then and now, uh, like from kind of like a ghost of Whiffmas past, what's been happening during that kind of slumber session? Um, it was basically just scouring Vegas to try to find the right property that we mm -hmm. could uh, move into and probably looked at about 50 different properties. Um, a lot of those, uh, Kyle and uh, Greg, uh, you know, looked at with me as well. So mm -hmm. just a lot of talking, a lot of looking at properties, a lot of things that just 
just weren't going to work, you know, and it was getting frustrating and it was getting to the point where it was just like, well, we can just make this one work or we can, you know, sacrifice something to make this other one work. Um, you know, this, this problem all came because of the property we're going to indirectly after the ranch, um, which was one of the, the big th factors in moving on from the ranch um, was this other property that uh, ended up, you know, they kind of backed out of the deal and had to like kind of go to court and it was a whole mess. But uh, fortunately, um, in December, I think December 20th, uh, we went and looked at a property. Um, it really spoke to us. And it was the first property that, um, you know, Kyle and Greg were just like drooling over and just like 100 mm -hmm. percent like this is the one, this is the one. And, and that kind of gave me the confidence to, uh, you know, go for it. And four days later, uh, the property was closed, had the keys, and we just started getting to work on building the greatest wiffle ball stadium the world has ever seen. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's really saying something because the original field was top five, top three. Um, it, it, it gets tough when you're starting to compete against like little Fenway in terms of number one. Uh, but, uh, you know, from the schematics and the overhead shots that I've seen thus far, this is gonna, this, this one might, this one might do it. This one might do it. So we'll see. I've been, you know, I've been following the construction. It looks like there are a lot of things that the other field was, I don't want to say lacking because it's not, it wasn't the result of like conscious choice, but there were things kind of like how when you buy your first house and then you go to buy your second house and you know what to look for, you know what I mean? The little things. So can you tell me briefly, uh, any one of the three of you, can you just tell me about the, what are like the big takeaways from this new property? What are like two or three really important developments that this field has that the last one didn't? I think we can each answer this. So I'll, I'll say one thing. Uh, one of it is going to be the, uh, the, the live fans. This place is going to have people on multiple levels watching the game. It's going to have a nice berm. Uh, field of people. Um, it's going to look great on stream when we have 100 or 200 guests here um, all be able to to view the game where the other field didn't really quite have that like this one's going to have. Mm, nice. Yeah, I think one of the major differences uh, between this new field and the previous was that this one is being built almost 100% for PLW. It's being built for our league and for the stream. Whereas the last place was more built just because Adam had owned a large property and he wanted to have a field on his own place, you know, former professional baseball player. And so the field was there. It wasn't a hundred percent ideal for streaming where this field, we are literally starting from, you know, groundbreaking thinking we're building it for this stream and to make every, give us every camera angle and give us everything we want to do here at this field. Mm. Can't wait really for it. And uh, it's only going to get better and better as we, you know, go further along here on, in construction. Yeah. I want to come back to the stream, but before we do, Greg, what, what's the one big takeaway for you? Yeah, it's more, more or less just to add on a little bit to what Kyle was saying. Um, the, the last field there was, we had to adapt to it um, mm. in, in terms of uh, placement, uh, where the dugouts were, where the camera was. You notice it was off to the side. It was elevated. And that was just to get it off the ground where players were literally walking in front of it. And, and uh, you know, it offered kind of a bird's eye view of things. Um, however, it made certain shots a little more difficult. Uh, Left-handed hitters hitting in the right field uh, was difficult to get that shot just because of that placement, as Kyle said. Mm -hmm. We get to 
we get to think about that in advance. We get to put things where we want to put them. We get to we get to tailor make this for the PLW live stream when it comes down to lighting, camera position, where our microphones are going to be, the control room. I don't know, James, if you ever had a chance to go down into the dungeon. Uh, I did. I did. I had to bring like one of those like uh, old 1800s like rags that you would put over your face to make sure you don't get tuberculosis. But I, I, I did. I was in there. I saw Tom in there. I saw all the boys in there. Yeah, it was a real, a, it was a real fart fest. Yeah, we keep a, a canary in the corner, and if the canary just in case, uh, yeah, then you know it's time to get out. <laughs> uh, the ceiling was about four and a half feet tall, so you literally uh, could not stand up inside the control room. And and this was again. Um, because we were adapting to what was already there. So we're going to have a brand new control room, a brand new uh, announce booth and get to tailor make everything for the stream. So. Now, is it true that the new announce booth is going to be in center field? That is not true. Oh, that okay. was a rumor. I'm here oh. for rumor control. <laughs> I have a feeling you might have been talking to Tom Gannon. That oh. was a big thing that Tom was behind. Um it, it was an idea. I mean, initially yeah. when we were talking about before, mm -hmm. there was complaints about from complaints from the batters <laughs> that they're, you know, that they could overhear the announcers yeah. literally uh, behind their head. That's the best part. I love when the batters turn and talk shit to the, you know what I mean? Like that's part I, of the. I do think it is an aspect of the, of our, of our game that is uh, a little, cool. you know. Yeah, they better get used to it respected. because there's going to be a camera right above the backstop. As they're walking into the box, they're going to see that camera pointed mm. right out. So if they got the uh, the jitters before just having a couple people <laughs> talking about them, uh, it's going to be even more this time around. Yeah, that leads me into like the big thing that I want to talk about. There have been people who have set out to build wiffle ball fields in the past strictly for the purpose of a league. That's not unique. But what is unique is the stream. When you talk about wiffle ball leagues that have the uh, all-time greatest media production, it's MLW and it's PLW, and those are the only two leagues in the conversation. MLW is more of like a uh, like uh, this week in wiffle ball summary sort of thing. Um, they live, yeah, yeah but a lot of post production. They do live stream some of their games, but uh, the big thing about Premier League that I think attracted uh, over twenty thousand Twitch subscribers was that. Not only was it excellent fielding with the layovers and the commentary, but it was five nights a week. You knew you knew it was coming. Five nights a week, and you know, depending on time zones, seven, eight, nine. Um, talk to me about the role that the stream plays in terms of like the league's existence. Like, wh where does the stream fit in in terms of the league itself? Personally, I don't think the league would really exist in the anywhere close to the form it's currently in without it uh i mean i think we we we, we kind of say behind the street the scenes that we are running a tv show but it just happens to be currently streamed on the internet so i mean these guys are they feel like they're only one or two steps away from actually being on espn playing a professional sport for millions of fans i mean mm. there's been times where we've had multiple thousands of people watching on tiktok or or even twitch at times we've had a lot of people on there as well and i think everybody kind of understands that they are like part of a show and plw is as you know it's part sports league and it's part of show and you know we're trying to make it this this show as great as possible and it's without the stream um it's just not the same passion i don't i don't think anybody mm -hmm. would have 
There's just All something right. about being able to go back and watch highlights and post them on your Facebook and post them on all your social medias and have all your friends and family watch your great plays. That's something you didn't have for the most part when you were a little, when you were a kid growing up playing little league and Babe Ruth baseball, or it's just something you didn't have. And uh, you know, unless you went to some college and, and somehow made it on TV playing college baseball, you basically never, never have any real produced content of yourself playing a, a sport. And now we have a pretty high level production of uh, a lot of guys playing a sport and at a high level. So just, speaking of, Oh no, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to add on and say that, um, you know, there's a lot of different versions of wiffle ball out there. There's fast pitch, there's medium pitch. Um, there's different uh, field configurations, a different number of defenders in the field. As we know, there's all different kinds of flavors of wiffle ball. So as to how the stream plays into our league and our brand of wiffle ball, I think it, it's everything. We are catering not only uh, the way that we produce everything um, for the public, but also our gameplay. We want to make sure that our rules and and our our statistics and our flow of play are something that can be watched for hours and hours on end without getting bored, without being repetitive. Um, you get to see a wide variety of of skill as far as pitching, batting, defense. We try to balance it out as much as possible. So without the stream, who knows? We might be playing with completely different rules. That's a good point. Yeah, and, and you don't need a pitch clock when you got a bucket of balls. That's always nice. Um, <laughs> so the stream is obviously highly successful, built a large following in a short amount of time, presumably will continue to grow perhaps at a faster rate because of the improved metrics. But my question is, is there is there room in the league for something like you would see in MLW where you've got game summaries or highlight reels or things like that? Is that something you all see in the immediate future? Or is that something that like, hey, maybe if it happens later on, great, but it's not a goal? It's definitely a goal. Um, and we see a lot of that on, on YouTube. We also have been talking about doing maybe a, a live show where we kind of like this, where we're talking about this week in, in PLW. Mm. But uh, right now our main focus is to get the stream, to get the field, to get everything, um, you know, top notch quality before we exhaust resources and creating YouTube videos and other types of content. But that is a goal. Everything you said is definitely a goal. Nice. Right. Walk before you our meetings is, is getting, uh, is getting more content that's evergreen as you call it. Um, mm. and, and some of those, those videos that, you know, will be up forever, uh, rather right. than our Twitch videos that have a expiration date. Yeah. That's, that's a big bummer about the Twitch, but yeah, I think that for me, at least I think it starts where you're already succeeding. Like for example, the TikTok account has a large following. So uh, I, I would see a, a natural progression being rather than like trying to do full summary videos on YouTube. Maybe you start with like important plays. I, we, we did the mic'd up thing. I did one of those. It got a, I, what, like 150,000 views. It did well on TikTok. So yeah. I, I, my, I would say that that from a media perspective, that might be where you start. And then if you can start bringing in proper funding, you might be able to, for example, pay somebody to edit videos. But that seems more like, like a long-term goal. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the immediate future. And you can feel free to, as as uh, the Israelis like to say, you can hit me with the old la uh, you, you speak too much. Um, <laughs> PLW has announced that there will be um, tryout dates on March 23rd and March 25th. 
Did I get that right? March 23rd and March 25th. I want to make sure I get it right because someone might be listening, you know? So March 23rd and March 25th, we've got our tryout dates. Um, Remind me, do we have a date set for the draft? It's going to be a couple days later. We haven't set it exactly yet. We'll talk in a minute in the chat, see kind of availability first. Okay, we're looking at last week of March, maybe first week of April for the draft. Uh, no, the draft would be just a few days after. Okay. All right, yeah. nice. So so we're, we're looking at late March in terms of knowing where everyone stands, basically. Yeah. Um, and the last update that I received was that we're looking at opening day in, within some window of between three and six months from now. I'm not going to try and pin you down. But what I will ask is what needs to happen before the league is ready to have an opening date? Because I know the, the grass is down, the backstop is up, but there's a lot of missing parts. So what needs to come together before the league feels comfortable enough to run a, a season, be it partial or full, and also, you know, maintain the excellence that the stream has been come to known for? So you said it earlier, James, how, how integral is the stream into uh, into PLW, and, and it's really... It's really very much uh, central, and and we the reason we haven't put a date forward is because we don't have a million dollar budget, and a lot of our skilled laborers that are working on things aren't doing uh, don't have a large crew, and they aren't doing things simultaneously. So a lot we've just got a handful of guys that are doing things. They finish one task, they'll get on to the next one. Uh, the most important thing is, you know, we've got. Not only our loyal fans, but we've got plenty of people who that we convert every day, every time we go live on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook, who come over and look at our stream. And we want to make sure that we can continue to deliver that high level of quality so that we can hook them in right away. Um, there is literally everything that has to be rebuilt from the stream. <laughs> everything. Yeah. And yeah. Sure. We've still got all the equipment that we had before. But we have to run all new wires. We've got new cameras. We've got a purchase set up. We've got a brand new house and center field that we have to construct so we can get that center field cam up. We've got mm-hmm. a media center and a control room that are that only exist in concepts and drawings. Uh, they haven't had a single nail or board set yet. Um, all of those things have to come together. Not only that, but once we have everything configured, now we have to start training people on how to use it because the entire setup is going to be different. We need to, we know that there'll be plenty of whiffs going on. So we'll have plenty of time to test it and make sure that everything is good. Once more of those elements start to coalesce and and we can see the light at the end of the tunnel there, I think we'll be more comfortable about setting uh, a goal, a milestone and a, and a opening, opening day date. Nice. Adam, Kyle, anything you want to add about things that you really need to see done? Because I'm imagining that season five will start without 100% completion of the field. Uh, but are there, are there like, you know, big things that must be done before, before we can get going? Well, lights are a big factor. Um, yeah. I mean, ideally, mm. look, we we're, we streamed our games Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Twitch. And the sun goes down at some point, and we're going to need lights to be able to play Majority of the people in the league work nine to five jobs and, you know, we'll come to the wiffle ball field and play wiffle at six o'clock. So without lights up, um, we don't really have an opportunity to stream games. 
so that's pretty much the, uh, the biggest hurdle remaining probably is the construction of light towers. And we're planning on, if you remember, the, the, the light situation at the ranch was less than ideal, just, uh, you know, just the way they were positioned. But this, this new setup will be uh, optimal and we're going to have plenty of light, just a matter of uh, if and when they go up. Uh, does your podcast include video or are we audio only? We are audio only. Oh, I was saying if, if we had viewers, I could share my screen and show you some of the mock-ups. Well, fuck, man. Share it. I want to see. Fuck All that. right. All right. So you've got to, you've got to enable screen sharing and I'll oh, put it boy. up on okay. the screen. All right. If that's a problem, we can get back to it later. No, no, Suffice you're, you're to fine. say, we've got, we've got visions. We've got dreams. We've got every little detail that we want uh, mapped out and imagined um and it's just a just a question of time effort uh and a lot of hard work to to bring it to fruition mm. that's fair that's fair I don't, I don't i don't know if that did it but hey i'll, no, I'll we'll give it a try those, yeah yeah, yeah look those, here, we, here we can see you got it. it yeah yeah all right there we go so you can see what we're going for here is that the light mm -hmm. towers at Hideaway Field were only about 20 feet high. We're looking to go 10 feet higher than that. And what that, mm -hmm. that enables you to do, it enables you to cast a brighter light that covers more area, but it casts downward. So it's not shining outward. And anybody in the surrounding areas isn't going to have uh, lights in their eyes. You might remember the deep, mm -hmm. dark depths of right field. Um, we yeah. want to try to get even coverage all over the field. Not only will Very that help nice. with gameplay and with the players in the field, but it's also going to help our stream look even better and crisp as Very our, nice. as our yeah. coverage will uh, allow, allow those dugouts, players the in the outfield not to be just shadows. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. And obviously the multiple camera angles are all going to look really, really tremendous. Uh, when this is able to able to get put up. So there's a lot to be done as I, I'm looking at this. There's a lot to be done. Mm -hmm. Um and also, it seems like that window of between three and six months could happen, although perhaps everything won't be perfect for season five. Season six, on the other hand, may be ready to go. And that's an important season because season six is the season uh, after which players are allowed to declare free agency for the first time ever. So that's going to be really cool. And I think that's a really cool thing about this league is that much like a professional league, um, managers have control of their players, just like in a in a uh, you know a, in, in the MLB, uh, and so th the ability to like mock what we've seen in professional sports is, I think, something here that we've never really seen properly done in any other league. Although some have tried. Last thing I want to talk about: the minor league affiliates. This has been done before in this league. This has been done before in other leagues. Uh, I, I think about, for example, Golden Stick. Uh, back in like the mid to late 2000s, they had like a, a minor league situation where you could get called up, et cetera, et cetera. PLW is a little bit different. Uh, I'll explain it really quickly. Basically, there's, there's 10 teams in PLW, and there are going to be, there's currently four. There will be six minor league affiliates. I wouldn't and really call them minor league affiliates, though. Oh, so yeah. I would compare this more to like um, European soccer. Um, and a lot oh. of these ideas came from me playing eight seasons overseas. Mm -hmm. And so when you have the division one, it's very similar. You have the 10 teams and then you have the lower division, which would be like division two. 
And those aren't necessarily players that could get called up. Those are individual owners, individual players that have team control, everything the same way. And those are the teams that are building and trying to fight to take over the spots um, in, in the top league, which is the PLW. And we now have six teams confirmed. Uh, we're not going over six. Uh, those, the last two will be announced um, in the coming days on social media. So you can be looking out for that. Nice, nice. All right, thank you for that clarification because that's very important because what that means is that um, the Bombers can't just call someone up from the Diablos. Am I, I'm right to assume that, right? 100%. Diablos have their own ownership and their own players, and uh, players can get service time there the same way. The same way. Um, and mm-hmm. they'll be drafting, drafting players in the draft the same way. The only difference is at the end of every uh, season, once it's complete, the players in the PCL can choose to enter the draft <clears> of <throat> the PLW. So managers could essentially lose players after they had them for a season if they do get drafted in the PLW. I see. I that, see. Okay. If that happens, though, then those uh, managers will get compensation picks so they can uh, redraft somebody. That's nice. That's nice. That's yeah, that's that's a really interesting method. You've got players fighting to get into the league and that player's team independently fighting to get into the league. And so so basically what happens is at the end of every season, the uh, few worst teams, I think it's teams seven through nine, they play in a in a uh, series of series (laughs) that eventually lend you with two doo-doo teams for lack of a better term those two doo-doo teams are going to play against the two best teams from the pcl and basically it'll be four teams competing and only two emerge as plw teams and so there there may be some trading and some switching and some flipping um and 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 that whole situation um it's a really interesting wrinkle uh and i'm very curious to see how it will be executed I like the idea of PCL team members being able to volunteer at the same rate as PLW guys, because I think it really encourages volunteers. As we know, the more volunteers, the better. And so that that's one of the elements of this league that's, I think, traditionally worked quite well. Looks like there will be a whole new pool of guys who can get that done. And it, I think it'll put a fire under the belly of some guys, especially guys on my team who have been in relegation two years in a row. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, we, we got lucky to not have to face one of those teams this yeah, time I think, around. I think just relegation, just speaking about relegation in general, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the main pro of it is that it really promotes, you know, high levels of competition from the start of the season through the very end of the season. Mm-hmm. Because there's no such thing as tanking in the in PLW. Because yes, if you end up as one of those relegated teams and you happen to win your your way back in, you will have you know the number one or the number two draft pick. But you ha- you're you're putting your squad at an extremely high risky situation of not mm-hmm. being in the league anymore if you do fall down into that challengers tournament against the the PCL. So you will see nothing no tanking involved you will see hard-fought games throughout from day one of the season through the very end and that's the kind of product that we're looking forward to put on yeah managers are going to be uh incentivized to not tank games and players are going to be incentivized to show up because like wait a minute you're telling me that if we do bad i can't play anymore um and so in other leagues it's always been you pay your league fees and you play here it's you better play. You better show up. Your team better do good enough. Otherwise, unless you de- unless it happens to be your sixth year and you can declare free agency, you're not going to be playing this next year. You got to hope to do better in the PCW so that you can get in next year. And that's an issue. 
um, that and, guys and are going to want to avoid. <laughs> even, even in your free agent year, even in your free agent year, um, you don't have to continue to play for the Night Owls. But if you lose in relegation in free agent year, you still have to sit out for one season at PLW. So you can jump on with any PCL team, and mm -hmm. then after that, resign. But it's still. You know, if a team's full of free agents and relegation, it doesn't mean those guys aren't going to show up for their manager. They're still going to show up and play hard because it's something in it for them. Yeah, yeah I, I would think, I would hope so. I think like the general broad point that we always kind of make about the league is that we want to put on what is the best collection of of wiffle talent there is. Yeah, there's plenty of amazing players in different parts of the country, but we want our league to be full of nothing but great players. And over time, as the the more and more people get interested in it and the drafts go on and the relegation tournaments happen, uh, you know, you'll see nothing but the average team or even the you know the 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 strength of the bottom teams will just continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And we should end up with which we already do have a very, very competitive top to bottom team. I really believe there's not that much difference between the very top and the bottom. I mean, there is a reason why certain teams have made the playoffs and have won championships and others haven't. But when you take those teams on a nightly basis, there's really only a couple plays typically that separate those teams. And we have a very highly competitive league top to bottom season in and season out. Yeah, well, I mean, last year, last season alone, uh, the difference in between the number two seed and the number seven seed was like four games. You know what I mean? So like, and that's what you want in your league, right? You, you want a couple of teams to rise to the top, a couple of teams to sink to the bottom and everyone else to be in the mix. That that usually produces good sound uh, participation. Uh, all right. So we've, we've talked about kind of where everyone's been for the last year-ish. We've talked about like what's going on in the immediate future and, and what we can expect to see out of Premier League in the next 6 to 12 months. The only other thing that I want to uh, go over here um, is long-term, uh, like big-picture plans. What do we realistically see? And then maybe what do we fantasize about a little bit? Like, like if, if, if I asked you like the age-old question of where do you see PLW – in five years, what would you tell me um, through, like, you know, a conservative, reasonable estimate? And then what would you, you know, stare at the ceiling at two in the morning fantasizing about? Who starts? I'll start. Well, my my <laughs> dream, and I kind of I, I kind of have said it the whole time while we're, you know, while we have been developing the stream, is that I, I, I see us in the short term and the the low goal, I guess, is to just for us to gr continue our gradual um, popularity increase and just have more and more of a following and our Twitch stream and TikTok streams and YouTube streams, um, you know, have a great have a great follower base and a great fan base. And then I think the lofty goal is that somehow we leave the Internet and move into actual television. I, wow. we, I think a lot of people involved in the league basically everybody feels that this could be the structure of wiffle ball and the type of product that can be produced for the mainstream uh, for the masses. And it's the most watchable version of the game that there is. It's the closest thing to baseball. It's for speed of the game, for the amount of runs scored, for the amount of action, balls in play. It's the most watchable sport. And I think long-term, I could easily see us being played on ESPN alongside other niche sports easily. They got cornhole. 
Right. They, we, I and say it, it all the time. And, they and have cornhole, axe throwing, There's no reason why wiffle ball with with a, a professional wiffle ball league with structure and you know many seasons of of rule tinkering to find the perfect rule set. Uh, there's no reason why we our rules and rule set can't be like become the national thing. Nice, nice. Adam Gray. Um. Yeah, I guess when I sit in and, and stare at the uh, ceiling at 2 a.m., I could picture um, exactly what Kyle said and take it a step further uh, that we have uh, we move into like a bar scenario where we have a stadium where we're hosting lots of fans that can come watch it live and, and sell drinks and monetize that way in a way where we could now branch out to maybe other regions and have maybe four regions of franchising or or uh, be part of the corporate structure where these bars and stadiums are around the around the nation and uh, we have this world series that brings in the best teams from each region to play rotating at these different bars. And, you know, one day I think we all want to see uh, PLW kind of be like the household set of rules for wiffle ball. Wow. Yeah. I like the, I like the partnering with the business thing. It, like you said, it makes it more monetizable. Wiffle ball is not inherently monetizable, but there are things you can do. Uh, I, the big thing that I always think of is charity work. There's things that you can do to pique interest. What about you, Greg? What, what, what's your what's your big dream, your big wish and, and goal? I, I view this as the first of many franchises, our, our field and our stream and our league here in Las Vegas as a laboratory. It's a place where we can experiment. We can figure out what works. Um, we can we can test it. We can uh, we can prove the concept, so to speak. And and how many times have we? seen in the twitch chat if they had this league in my town i play for sure um there's no reason yep. why we can't get that formula put it together into a box and start branching out to to other regions of the country as adam said have a, a national plw world series um one of the things that struck me about about plw when i first walked in i was always a baseball fan as a kid but after moving to, to las vegas from from San Diego, I, I wasn't following teams as much. I wasn't into it as much. Um, there's a difference here. It's And it's hard to put your finger on it first. And I think it has to do with the intimacy, the small field, um, the closeness of the players, the fact that you can hear the outfielder when you're at, up at the plate, uh, sure. the, the pace of play, how quick it is, um, a, a balance between offense and defense, and all of the rules that you know, we've experimented with things that we've tried, things that we've adopted, things that we've thrown aside. Um, to speak a little more to, about that becoming a national standard, I, I think there there is a good balance of of entry to the sport. Um, you have to be skilled. You, you don't necessarily have to be an all-around player to succeed in PLW. There are specialists. There mm -hmm. are guys, mm -hmm. there are guys in their 40s and 50s playing in this league, and they are able to be successful because they're able to focus on what they can do well. And I think that's attractive to a lot of people. And and it has a lot to do with everything that we've tried, everything that we've um experimented with and will continue to experiment with. And, and like Kyle and Adam both said, we'd love to see PLW become the household name, becomes the standard, become synonymous mm -hmm. with the idea of what wiffle ball is in this country and 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 become, you know, America's league. Nice, 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 nice. Well, that's a great note to end on. But before we do, I have a little bonus question. Um, one of the things that makes PLW the most expandable 
is its uh, standardization. And this is something that like I had to have so many conversations with Tom about to wrap my head around it. But the fact that you can you really can play this format anywhere because the unscuffed balls and the yellow bats um, and some other leagues are a little bit more advanced than that. Has there been or will there be a conversation about, for example, using moonshot bats or scuffed balls? We're doing a series on a multi-part series on scuffology. So I feel I feel obligated yeah. and also excused for asking that. Maybe not in the league, maybe a scuffed tournament that involves moonshot bats or a fast pitch tournament that involves big bats. Has there been any talk about some of those more new school styles of play? Well, I could take this question. I, I had, I probably owned like eight moonshot bats at one point and I played with a lot of scuff balls and, and that was all in the early days of the ranch, trying everything out. Um, the one thing that I moved away from the moonshot bats is, you know, like we're not moonshot. Moonshot's their own company. The, these are these $200 bats. Um, it, it kind of, and they do break. It kind of makes a, the barrier of entry to getting a bat, um, you know, really expensive. And if we went to moonshot bats, everyone would have to have their own moonshot bat and it just raises the cost of everything. And so I mm. really wanted to avoid that. Um, and uh, I might hurt someone if I use a moonshot bat and I'm not looking to kill anybody. Um, maybe unless <laughs> you're on the, the mound there, Stein. And then oh, the boy. <laughs> uh, and and the, the scuff balls. Um, I, I love throwing the scuff balls. They're just more mm -hmm. control. Uh, the thing is every scuff ball, sometimes a little bit different. And yep. um a lot of the Trippis brothers would come out and we would play fast pitch and I love playing with them. Um, but every time you throw the ball, you have to now go and look for it, grab it, throw it back to the pitcher. Um, it just added all this time to uh, the gameplay. And if you, you know, hit a foul ball and that's the ball they wanted, have to go track it down. Yeah. It, uh, don't like, don't like uh, the fact you have to keep hunting down those scuff balls. Um, the, the, like you said yeah. earlier, with the clean balls, it just makes it a lot easier to just kind of grab and go and start playing. Yeah, I think that comes full circle to the conversation that you all have been having about, like, you know, the, the importance of the stream in the league. And the league and the stream are like these two inextricably intertwined phenomena that do not exist without each other. And I think that, like I said, Gannon is the one who helped me kind of understand that that was the motivating factor behind these decisions because dead airtime is trash, especially on Twitch where people are very, very, uh, you know, their attention span is fickle. So I think it was a well-calculated decision. I just want to play scuffed fast pitch on that field. Well, right? you can so your question. <laughs> there has been tons of talk about all the things that you're, that you're discussing. We've had, we've had discussions about maybe a one-off tournament where we change yeah. all kinds of rules where, you can know, I, can if, I give my pitch? Can I give sure. my pitch? Of course. I I think that the all-star game should be scuffed fast pitch. Denied. <laughs> <laughs> look, no, I just, let me just say this. This is the way I look at it and kind of how we want everybody to look at it. We want to put out what is the most entertaining product for the fans while simultaneously kind of making the playing field as level as possible. Anybody in the country can go to their local store, pick up a yellow bat and a plastic ball and develop the same skills of the guys that you watch on the stream. And you know, you could possibly be in this league one day. And that's just kind of what we want to do. We, uh, me personally, I don't really love the idea of using 
equipment doctoring as a skill. I, we want, mm. we kind of want to use the as bland of a product as possible. We order the wiffle balls 1500 at a time direct from the manufacturer. And, you know, we use brand new balls and brand new bats with just a little bit of tape on them to add some flair and some weight. And, uh, you know, we want to kind of just have as level a playing field as possible and have mm. everybody in the country kind of be able to play the same rule set, the same equipment and, you know, develop their own skills. Yeah, I we think still the, the, do dream about these one-off tournaments where we do weird stuff. And we've got <laughs> I, I, I do think though that the the points that you guys are making from a marketability standpoint uh, are undeniable. Uh, and so when when it comes to running a business versus running a whiff league, and, and you can do both at the same time, you, you need to make decisions like that. And so I, I appreciate one of the big things I appreciate about the league is how many damn committees there are to avoid groupthink and to, to, to really hash out decisions. So I appreciate all of that input. I'm really looking forward to season five. Can't wait to get back out there. Uh, hopefully be able to bring my dogs. So uh, everyone can meet goose, the, the wild maniac. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed uh, kind of fleshing out some of those topics. So Adam, Greg, Kyle, thank you all three of you for joining. And hopefully we get to do another update in the not too distant future um, when we're signing a, a contract with ESPN. Sounds, Sounds good great. to us. Looking forward to it. Thanks, James. Thanks, Brian. For sure. All right, Benito, take us away. Mm-hmm.